Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and the kids are in control, Gavin. The Knicks won 121 to 106 over the Charlotte Hornets. What are we going to talk about of this youth-centric game? Obi Toppin dominant in in this start. I was going to say his first start, Alex. I almost forgot that he did it a night ago. But Obi Toppin, amazing on the night. We're going to get into that. We're getting to Evan Fournier setting the Knicks single season three-point record. A cool 30 points for R.J. Barrett and so much more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. And today's episode is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're listening to us in your headphones or you're checking us out on YouTube and seeing our smiling faces every day. Uh, we're just very happy to be part of your daily routine. And today, I should note, uh, be doubly a part of your daily routine because we're doing a, another double drop today. We have another episode coming up a little later this afternoon with uh, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation talking about a lot of draft prospects in the Knicks range. Uh, lots of Benedict Matherin talk, Jaden Ivey. Maybe a little out of their range, but again, we could be a little bit, uh, little, a little bit, you know, optimistic. Jalen Duran, guys like that. So that's coming up later today. If you're tuning in like afternoon or whatever, like it should probably already be in your feed. So go check it out. Listen to this episode and that one back to back. You get two episodes in a day. Anyway, I am Alex Wolf, a veteran chief and excite the Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. And this is Locked On Knicks. Again, we are talking about a great win, Gavin. 121-106 to 106 over the Charlotte Hornets. This game, to me, read a lot like some other Knicks games this season in the sense that the Knicks got out by a lot early. And then, you know, you saw that deficit just get chipped away at and chipped away at and chipped away at. And the Hornets got it under 10 points. And all of a sudden, you're starting to sweat. And you're going, oh, man, like, oh. I, this is the one game I really don't want them to lose because I want the kids to have a, you know, a nice confidence boost here. But ultimately, they put their foot on the gas and led by Obi Toppin. I, uh, yeah, okay, arguable. RJ Barrett did have a thirty-point game, but more noteworthy that Obi Toppin played forty minutes and and made a huge impact on this game. I think. Yeah, incredibly impressive. Eighteen points, eleven boards, six assists. I'm literally that. That is the. That, that is the correct box score. I had to go double check that he got six assists because that is just a crazy number for a power forward. Obviously, Julius Randle does it on occasion, but Obi showing off his talents as a passer in this one, which we haven't gotten to see a whole lot this year. But Alex, I, I'm going to leave some meat on the bone there for you because there were just so many different things in this game that delighted me about Obi Top. And the first of which was that play he had in the, I think about midway through the first quarter where he just was like, kind of like, you got to rebound nice and slow up the court. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, turns the gas on, 
right by Miles Bridges, lays like a little elbow into Miles Plumley, slight offensive foul. I, I couldn't care less. Uh, lefty layup. And he's just like, I don't know too many other bigs in the NBA, like star or not, who use acceleration as a weapon in the same way that he does. Like last year, obviously, this move originated with that fake dribble handoff. But now it's the funniest thing in the world to me because he almost he's taken the spirit of that fake dribble handoff and just started applying it in isolation situations where it's almost like, oh, am I going to give it to someone else about just surveying the defense? Oh, no, I'm going a million miles an hour and you can't stop me because he doesn't really have like moves off the dribble yet. But he's he does have this insane athleticism, this insane speed. And I love that he's like creative enough to figure out a way to weaponize that um, even even when there's not another guy like curling off the ball and and going towards him. Um, and then uh, to, I mean, I mean, to the point of the six assists, there was just like some really nice playmaking and him and Evan Fournier, I thought just had great chemistry in this game. And you could see the difference between Fournier and Randall and Fournier and Obi in that Obi is just a more improvisational and like, he's a, like, I, I guess, I guess to follow the improv analogy, like to be good at improv, like everyone always says, like the classic term is yes. And you need to be a willing and active participant. And I feel like Julius is like 40% of the time on the right night, a willing and active participant in the two man game. Obi's down for the two man game and him and Fournier made some like sweet, sweet magic um, during this. And like, it was on like back-to-back plays um, a lot of the time. Like he had this like drive where he just reversed it into a dribble handoff to Fournier. And then Fournier hit a three as he was falling down the corner. And then literally the next play, like Fournier got him back with a lob over the top. And this is, this is an underrated part about Obi running the floor is that he can, it's not just like that. He'll get an open dunk on occasion. It's that a guard will usually have to switch on him because there are very few bigs fast enough to get back quick enough, especially because they're usually around the basket trying to get a rebound. And then he can get a seal on someone like Terry Rozier and either he gets a layup or even if he doesn't, then the guards come down and all the matchups are scrambled and, and the Knicks can kind of attack an unsettled defense. So I thought there were all these, all these just little things about this game for Obi that were both impressive for him as an individual and indicative of the fact that he makes things easier for everyone else on the floor relative to someone like Julius Randle when the big argument for starting Randle in the past beyond the fact that, I mean, he was a second team All-NBA guy next year and obviously statistically he's the better player was that, oh, you need him to take pressure off everyone else. But Obi does it in a different way and I would argue in a way that encourages more participation from the other four guys. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think the big thing to me is just his decisiveness. And that's been, I think, one of the biggest things that has held Randall back this year where, you know, last year, I think that Randall, even if his plan was to take a mid range shot or something, you know, he just, I've, I always felt like had a better idea of what was going to happen last year than what's happened this year. Whereas this year it's been more like Randall gets it. And, you know, how often do we see it where he gets along the perimeter with a wide open three he sits there like a deer in the headlights for a second and then puts the ball on the floor real quick and then attempts a much harder step back three point shot or something. When if he wasn't going to shoot it, he could just kept swinging the ball and someone else could have shot it. Like if he didn't think that it was his time to make a three right then, you know, if it, if it wasn't an instantaneous like yes in his head, then he could have gave someone else that opportunity. And I feel like he did that sometimes last year, too. Whereas this year it's been more about Julius just kind of like getting it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like, he's got spider tack on his hands or something, you know, it's like, it just, it stops on him for a second. And he has to like really figure out what to do. And like, it's like his processing isn't, isn't running as fast. You know, it's like, he's got too many windows open on his computer in his head. 
Whereas Obi, he just defragged his hard drive. He's good to go. Everything, you know, he cleared the cookies, the cash, the whole thing. He's he's ready to rock. Like everything was just so crisp about what he was doing in this game. You know, he was like, you know, he would get the ball and it would either be quick other swing pass, which that was how he got some assists. Or he even did the same thing that Randall does a lot, which is like get the ball on the perimeter, put it on the floor and start driving in and make sort of a jump pass. But even his jump passes seem to have more like aforethought to them, you know, like he was thinking about it. Like there was one really nice one where he got it, uh, you know, in the corner, went towards the hoop and then kicked it out to Deuce for like an elbow three and Deuce made it. Um, But on top of that, just even stuff like, you know, the stuff that we know about Obi already that makes him so good as far as decision-making, like making the decision to leak out and transition, you know, that's, that's something you have to think of in the spur of the moment when you see the shot go up, and you have a rough idea of where the rebound's going to go and if your team's going to get it, then you can commit to, okay, time to leak. you know. And the second that he knows that he can do that, he starts to. And that kicked in so many times in this game too. Um, I also love some of the plays that he made off of those, those sort of busted plays where you know, <laughs> they actually uh, – uh, Ed Cohen, who I think we literally just shouted out yesterday, was on the broadcast today. Yeah, and we uh, manifested him into, into the game. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Ed again. Um, but he was on with Clyde, and they – you know, Deuce McBride tried to make a long, you know, outlet pass to Obi and kind of flubbed it. And uh, Clyde goes, he was a quarterback, Ed. <laughs> he used to be a quarterback, and he missed the pass. And Ed, like, didn't skip a beat and was like, yeah, it was incomplete, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Oh, and, I love, and then when Deuce hit the shot at the end of it, he was like, Pater. Oh, that was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they had a good back and forth. But, you know, like on a couple of those plays, Obi got, you know, the the pass for him, you know, in transition was a little too long. And even in those situations, he was able to, like, corral it and not just, you know, wing it over his head and save it, but do something deliberate and turn around, keep his one foot still, like, balanced there and find someone for a good enough pass to, in a couple cases, create assists. So, I, you know, that's the big thing. That was the big thing that stood out to me with Obi's game this whole time was just decisiveness. And I, I think that's the big difference between him and Randall right now. And, you know, I, I don't know if Randall is in a state of mind where he's willing to take notes on his own performance versus his understudies that's in there, you know, covering his spot in the starting lineup right now. But if I was Julius Randall, I would look at that and say, you know, there's a blueprint here in how Obi plays that could help me out a lot here, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. And I think it brings up some interesting questions uh, that maybe are for another podcast, maybe for an offseason podcast. But like, who do the Knicks want to be? Do they want to run this back and say, hey, can we can we push Julius towards those better tendencies? Um, because, again, I, I say it every pod, but I'll keep saying it like the way Obi Toppin plays. Julius, he's not capable of all that, right? Like he's not, he's not the lob catcher that Obi is like, he doesn't necessarily like have the speed turning the corner that Obi does or on those back cuts. But Julius is capable of doing 90% of what Obi Toppin does on a basketball court. And Obi is not capable of doing like, I I don't know the exact number, but like 70%, 80% of the stuff Julius Randall does. Like, like there's a reason like Julius is starting. There's the reason he's their franchise fulcrum versus Obi, like where there are like real questions about who he is in the NBA and and maybe he got to play into his strengths against the Hornets defense that was pretty disinterested tonight. Um, but there, there's a reason you paid Julius that money. There's a reason like he made second team all NBA next year is because he has all these skills. 
But Obi is the one who seems inclined to play in a way that's beneficial to everyone else. Um, and so that's that's sort of the question facing the Knicks. Like, can you push Julius in in that direction? All right, Alex, we're going to come back and I want to get into uh, Evan Fournier setting the three point record. R.J. Barrett, who had 30 points, which which would have been just like the first 20 minutes of our podcast in the past. And now we can save it for the second segment. That's how good R.J. Barrett is these days. But first. I want to make sure you're not getting scammed out there. So I need to tell you about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. These companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill's over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill, saved $840 a year on my car insurance. I really do have a friend named Matthew B., so I'm going to ask him if he's using Truebill. If he's not, he absolutely should be. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash MBA. It could save you thousands a year. And today's show is also brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It is part trading cards. Every moment on Top Shot originates in a pack. Unlike trading cards, these, are, these aren't just still images on cardboard. These are officially licensed NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. If you want to think about it in a nerdy sense, think of it more like a Harry Potter photograph versus a regular photograph. Why have a card? We could have a digital collectible that moves, right? Akin to the stock market uh, as well. You know, it's a, these, you know, you can trade them and, you know, move them to other people and, and list them in a real-time marketplace, very similar to a stock market. Millions of dollars worth of NFTs are traded back and forth between uh, tens of thousands of NBA fans around the world every single day. It's also sort of got a fantasy sports uh, element to it. Think of it a little bit like my team in NBA 2K, if that's your speed, where you're trying to complete certain sets and you know get the all the players on certain teams or in a certain you know, subgroup within uh, various sets. There's a, a whole element of that to the NFT space as well with NBA Top Shot. Uh, and you can even get sort of a loyalty program if you're around long enough and, and you're invested enough in the ecosystem. Uh, NBA Top Shot flew collectors out to game five of the NBA finals last year for having the most Suns moments. So, you know, if it's something you get into, you might randomly get a nice surprise where you get to go do a once-in-a-lifetime NBA experience. And I do hear people ask all the time, why would I buy a highlight when I could just watch it on YouTube for free? It's really not just about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership stake in the moment and being able to participate in that way and also take part in, again, what is essentially like a stock market of moments from your favorite players in the NBA. Or maybe sometimes even one of your not favorite players that you can then flip to get a player that you like better. Or maybe even two. 
I might go get some RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson's if I sell that stupid Trey Young moment that I have one day soon. So top shots moments can get you access to events and also be used in fantasy mini games on a regular basis. Uh, one last thing to, to consider there. But if you want to get some, head to NBATopshot.com and get set up. You can get in for as little as $9 for your first pack and start collecting today. All right, Gavin, to move things right along, um, we've I think we've gushed enough about Obi Toppin. And you know what? I'm going to back burner RJ Barrett for just another minute. To just acknowledge we saw history get made in this game uh, for the first time in, what did they say, 27 years? Something like that. Uh, I don't know, something along those lines. Uh, the Knicks single season three point record has been broken. John Starks is no longer the king, which it was so surprising to me. I saw J.R. Smith's name on the list as being previously second, but it was for 2013 14. I'm like, what happened to 12 13 that he was not higher up on the list? I don't understand, but anyway, Evan Fournier now has broken the record. Uh, he he like hit the the tying one in such style that it was going to be impossible for the the record breaking one to be nearly as good and he actually went sort of cold after hitting the tying one maybe he knew the gravity of the moment but the the record tying three that he hit he like sort of caught it awkwardly and then was like sort of like hopping over towards the corner and then like like jumped up landed like hard on two feet and just sort of like bounced and fell over and fell out of bounds and got picked up by CBS because he was getting closed out on really hard. And the shot just went in perfectly. He got up, went back on defense. It was all good. The actual record breaker was just sort of your standard elbow three, you know, but he had missed like three or four prior to that. So when it finally went in, you were like, all right, finally, like we've seen it happen. I didn't want to have to wait till next game. Um, but Evan Fournier now is the single season three-point king for the Knicks. Gavin, uh, you know, I know that we've been hard on Fournier at times this season, but I I do think that this is a really impressive accomplishment and especially how he played in this game. I just think, and you know, sometimes how he plays with these, these other non Julius units, I think kind of does underscore. He does really have some utility. And, you know, as you said, I think in the last show, now that Tibbs has sort of unleashed him into more than just like basically Reggie Bullock, like he's been doing some really good stuff. And I really like what we've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that record-breaking three came at a pretty big moment. I, I think the score was down to, it was like 93, 88 or so, and they got within five or so, and then that three felt like, all right, there's a little separation, and from that point forward, the Hornets never really got closer, so it was a pretty big shot, and I mean, to your point, what stood out to me again in this game was seven assists, a season high for him, and just the way, like, I, I'm, I'm not saying he could have averaged seven assists for the year, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he averaged, like, closer to five for the season if he had been playing with like Sims um, I I guess Mitch depending on the night and OB a little bit more than Julius and like to my previous point like ball stoppers because he actively like looks for the bigs and looks for mismatches like he got Jericho the ball when Terry Rozier was on him and Jericho did like it was an exact replica of what Mitch did the night before like quick spin dunk and just those, those points are such easy money for a Knicks offense that at times this year has gone really stagnant and really struggled and they miss out on some of the lowest hanging fruit, which is like, oh, my giant seven foot, 230 pound guy has a much smaller six foot one, 200 pound guy pinned on his back. Let's just toss him the basketball. And, and Fournier just makes that simple play um, over and over again. But he's he's a talented passer, too. Like that aforementioned lob that he had to Obi, that was 30 feet out. You got to throw that pass like on a dime. He did so. 
Um, and his chemistry, again, in the two-man game, like it activates him a little bit as a driver because he's not someone who's going to win from a standstill. But if he has a big, that's a willing participant who can set him a screen and is active enough off ball to sort of distract his initial defender, then he's going to be able to make some plays. So, yeah, I, I thought – I'm trying to see if I had any final notes on him, but um, I thought this was another really good game for Evan. And if the Knicks do go in a different direction with Julius or Julius comes back next year as a different player, I think it's only going to make him more efficient offensively next season. Yeah, and it would also just help if he's embraced in a role that fits that, you know, diverse skill set of his right away. You know, like he he just needs to have a coach that's going to empower him to look for others and not essentially just be a spot up man. Because again, he's not Reggie Bullock. Like he's not the whole point that you brought him here is that he has the ability to put the ball on the floor after he's you know, after he gets it on the perimeter. He has the ability to make you know some more advanced passes and and do stuff like that on offense. He can run a basic pick and roll, you know, and I think that that really showed. And I loved how he was looking for uh, to a fault at one point, you know, like there was, I'll get to it in a second. There was one point where it sort of was a little bit much, but he's really the last couple of games been looking for those mismatches, like you said, and playing sort of like the high low game of, you know, if he gets a big switched on to him, then he knows there's a small switched on to the big down in the post and he's been looking for that just like quick little over the top pass that's like one of the easiest reads in basketball to make where it's just like just put it where only the the seven footer can reach it and not the you know the six foot five guy with with relative ease at least you know and he hit Jericho with a couple of those he hit Obi with at least one of them you know it it, after they sealed their man off and you know kind of just made it so it's just them in the hoop there Uh, which I feel like the Knicks just so little look for that seal and look to get their bigs who are, you know, especially in the case of Sims and Mitch, you know, they're, they're somewhat limited in what they can do. One thing that both those guys could definitely do is just have a giant body and stand there and seal their man off under the hoop and catch a pass and throw it down. So I was happy to see that, that that was being embraced. The one that he did do it to a fault. I mean, it's fine. I, I appreciate the, the thought behind it, but there was one where he was, Obi was looking for that sort of situation again. And Evan was like, yes, we're going to feed this again. And then tried to throw it in there. But there was three Hornets defenders like close enough to read that play. And they all just converged. It looked like a quarterback, you know, to make another football analogy. It was like a quarterback trying to throw in a triple coverage. And you're just like, oh, this is going to end well. (laughs) So, uh, you know, you you, you know a lot about that as a Jets fan. Yeah, so do you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, shout out probably to the sport. best quarterback yeah. in your team's history had uh, quite a few of those. <laughs> so yeah. um, to great to great effect, I will say. <laughs> and that's our football segment for the year. Thanks, guys. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we'll talk to you in the fall. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was uh, it, it was good. I, I like the game a lot from Evan, and congrats to him. You know, earnestly on getting this record. I think you know. If, if for all the his faults, he has been a lights out shooter this year and probably the most def- dependable shooter on the Knicks uh, night in and night out. So he definitely deserves that record. And I'm happy to see him get it. All right, Alex. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put RJ Barrett on the back burner one more time. He scores 30 points. Third segment. I'm so sorry, RJ. It's a real real Canadian bias on this show. But I got to tell everyone about BetOnline.net. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. I've been hammering it all week, guys. You got to put some money down on Arkansas. Nine and a half point underdogs to Gonzaga. Gonzaga just looked a little off against Memphis to me. And I think 
Arkansas, while, while maybe not having a Jalen Duran, certainly has some of the same athleticism that gave the Zags some trouble in that game. I think Gonzaga wins, but I bet it's uh, within five or six points. So Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts all right and with that uh we are back on locked on Knicks, and i wanted to remind you guys today is a double drop day for the second day in a row um if you're listening to this in the afternoon should be out sometime around noon uh we will have ricky o'donnell back on to talk more draft pieces uh jaden ivy who i know is a fan favorite for so so many and i i am amongst the people who would love to see him become a new york nick we go deep on him we go deep Deep on uh, Benedict Matherin, the fantastic uh, sharpshooter from Arizona, and and go through a whole thing trying to come up with a player comp for him. And then a whole bunch of guys that Ricky likes on the Knicks, including his favorite, and it's a guy that Prez previously mentioned on this podcast. So I'll leave that to you to listen to and find out, but please do go and check that out. Alex, oh my God, I can't believe we haven't talked about him. We had R.J. Barrett scored 30 points in this game. He was 10 and 19 from the field. He was 3 for 7 from 3. He was 7 of 8 from the line hyper efficient it was almost it was almost casual like like when you you mentioned to me pre-show you're like oh we should talk about rj he had 30 i was like he had 30 and i had to go back and double check it but he really did uh what did you like um in, in another great night from from our guy rj barrett i think the big thing was to me you know we sort of talked in yesterday's show about how like it was a little concerning that down the stretch things just kind of went stagnant like they normally do with randall um, where it was just kind of like the RJ show and he took some pretty bad attempts, you know, like it's just driving into the lane and not really having a plan and, you know, just kind of running into the trees, you know, like Capella. And if he didn't get a foul call, he, you know, would just get stuffed. And that was that. And then, you know, sometimes it was creating transition opportunities for, you know, the Hawks, whatever. And it, it was just sort of not conducive to winning. Whereas in this game, I just thought, the script never changed for him, you know, like he, he started off great and he finished great. And the reason was kind of similar to what I was saying with Obi Toppin, like just decisiveness and not, you know, going out there without a plan and not having the plan just be like, I'm going to get mine, you know, like not just going out there, like looking to, to score the ball constantly. He sort of let the game come to him to, you know, give the old cliche. Um, you know, it was just like it, it wasn't nothing was really forced for him. And I, I think that was the key um, as far as what he did. I mean, it, I, he didn't really bust out anything new. You know, I, I think that the bag of tricks is the bag of tricks at this point, but he executed them to perfection, um, getting inside and, you know, leveraging contact, duping defenders into doing stupid stuff to give him free throws, which I think he shot one of his shot eight of them. seven, seven of eight. Yeah. Seven of eight, yeah. So one of his better percentages, you know, you, you'll never say no to seven of eight. Um, shot well from three. And he just kind of did a little bit of everything. And, of course, did a little bit of playmaking too, uh, which I think everybody did. Everybody kind of got in on the act with that in this game, but had three assists. You know, everybody but Jericho Sims in the starting lineup had at least three assists, which is pretty cool to see too. So, yeah, I thought it was just another, another stellar game from him, another day at the office where he just – you know, scores 30 points and goes home, hangs his hat on that. So um, he's inching ever closer to the 20 point per game mark for the season. And and it's exciting. And uh, I, I love this game from him. But 
as we said, there's a lot of other things to talk about. So it sort of took the back burner till this point, but that's not to, not to undermine what a great game he had at all. No, he was, he was amazing. And I thought um, what really stood out to me was, was in the third quarter when again, Charlotte was, was pressing and trying to get into this game. And we all, probably had that same feeling of like, oh my God, they're really, they're going to blow this one too. Uh, he, on back-to-back possessions, hit a three and then had like a pretty nasty, like double pump finish in the lane. And and I always talk about that with RJ now, the ability to turn up the aggressiveness and get an easy bucket when momentum is shifting. That That's that's the stuff that stars are made of. And that, that's how you win basketball games during the regular season and, and during the playoffs. It's the ability to stem those runs and just say like, hey, like when we really need a bucket, I'm going to the rim and I'm, I'm either going to get a bucket or I'm going to get fouled. And in this game, he did that uh, over and over and over again. And it was, it was particularly good because he started off, I thought like a little like kind of passive, like his first five shots were three pointers, but he, he very quickly adjusted. And it's sort of like, like what we keep hearing those reports, like where he basically texted Drew Hanlon on New Year's and saying, Hey, it's time to take over. Like it's a mentality shift for RJ Barrett. And if he gets out of it, it's never for long. And, and that's a real sign of maturation in my mind. Something else to note, I thought um, the few times he ended up on LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball is absolutely torching him. And it's this weird thing in the modern NBA where I never know how much to make of individual defense because, like, everyone torches everyone, right? Like, this, like LaMelo didn't have a shot in the world at guarding RJ on the other end whenever those two were matched up. But something to watch, I think, going to next year is, like, if RJ can sustain this load offensively while still showing some of the flashes he did defensively his sophomore season. Like, I always think back to that Clippers game where he took Kawhi down the stretch and just did an amazing job on him. And I think some of the load on offense is getting to him a little bit on defense. It's maybe I'm off on that. Something I've noticed here and there the last few weeks. Um, but I, I think that that is something this offseason that could certainly be improved as he gets acclimated to being that number one guy. Uh, but Alex, I don't know if you want to continue on that or if you want to touch on, I don't know, someone like Emmanuel Quickly who was really good in this game. Yeah, I thought Quickly was great as well. Um, you know, I feel like my notes are so similar on on all the guys. It was just like, they just played beautiful basketball together, you know, yeah. and, and there were so many cool, quirky lineups that we would probably never see otherwise uh, just because of the circumstances of having Mitch and Randall and, you know, all the various guys out, you know, that we got to see some of these, some of these looks, but like it, the lineup with quickly McBride uh, Grimes, and then either Obi or R- RJ. RJ, RJ and Taj was, was that was a cool one to me with RJ just, before with that group. Yeah. I was just say RJ and Taj, or I think Obi was in with that lineup with Taj at one point too. Yeah. When RJ was taking a breather. I mean, those lineups were so, so fun. Um, you know, and a large part of that is quickly, you know, running the show McBride, I thought had a really good, you know, showing in this game, but you know, this would be my time to get this takeoff. Like one thing that, that, sort of stood out to me in this game and is consistently annoying me. And I know that this isn't like a unique thing to just me, but it just sort of, I I felt it more in this game, like quickly still in this game, despite how shorthanded they were only got 21 minutes. Uh, McBride only got 11 and scored nine points in 11 minutes and actually was like shooting the lights out for once and was playing good defense and everything else that he normally does. With how good of a game Jericho Sims had in this game, with the 26 minutes, five of five shooting, he was a plus 10. Like he didn't have any, you know, steals or blocks, but I thought that, and he actually only had three rebounds, but you know, I thought that he did a good job of filling space. He looks like he's really starting to like understand the game better. Um, and is becoming more of a deterrent on the defensive end. Like he's making leaps and bounds almost every single game. Now it just makes me think like there shouldn't be any excuse for quickly and deuce 
or any other guy that's like under 23 years old on the team, Grimes too, you know, who's now back from injury and only managed to find 15 minutes today. Like there should not be any more excuses for these guys not playing a lot of minutes and, and you know, still having like Burks and as much as he, he broke the record. Cool. But like Fournier playing 33 and 34 minutes respectively, you know, it's just getting to be a bit much at this point. Like it, there is clear evidence that what Tibbs says that which is basically like you earn your minutes in practice and that's it. And if you practice good, you'll get more minutes on the court. That's clearly not true because like Jericho Sims, when he first started getting minutes, when Tibbs selected him to be the golden child that would be allowed to actually get some minutes down the stretch here, like when he started getting minutes, things were kind of rough at first and he's had his ups and downs, but now we're starting to see things pay off with him where he's starting to read the game better and understand NBA basketball better down the stretch of the season, which will hopefully be something that can carry into next year. And I can't help but feel that the same thing could probably happen for, you know, Deuce and then to a lesser extent quickly, but quickly is still being asked to do like a more complex role in that he's facilitating more now. And like he had seven assists in 21 minutes tonight. I mean, that's, that's a great number. I just wish that, there could find, I, and I don't know what it's going to take. I, I said in the last episode, I think it's just going to take finally being 100%, you know, mathematically eliminated from the stupid 10 seed at this point, which it might come with like three games to go at this point. But whenever that happens, I think Tibbs might finally be willing to say, like, fine, I'll sit Alec Burks for a little bit. But it's just like, you know, I, I want to see more of, of Deuce and more of quickly because I thought that they played really good basketball in this game and they deserve to play more and it would be such a valuable learning experience for them to get to play more together. But you know, the Tibbs has to stick by the Tibbs code. And so, you know, Fournier and Burks because they were starters still got there like 35 minutes and we barely got to see those two guys. Yep. Well said. I, I have nothing to add. I've, I've, I've made my point it's clear on, on that topic and they're all, all in agreement with yours. Uh, I will say for my final note on this game, uh, I just saw quickly did like some really good, like point guard stuff in this game. Like he, he kicked off by single favorite possession of the game where he had like a, a drive and like a hook pass over to Fournier, who then like whipped it in the opposite corner over to Obi and then Obi beat a closeout from bridges, um, then shuffled it over to Sims, who then threw it out to Emmanuel quickly, who then swung it back to Burks in the corner for an open three. It was like, I mean, just go watch the first quarter highlights. It was just like a possession, like with all five guys doing something that was, that was gorgeous. Um, he had another one where like, this was just a really simple play, but the Hornets defense, because they suck. Like we're all just staring right at quickly. And Sims was just sort of, I mean, this was like, like a rookie moment for Sims. He's just kind of standing there and quickly, like with his hand, like goes like, go, like go towards the rim. And then Sims like takes a step towards the rim quickly, like hard dribble past the elbow. Uh, all the Hornets like convene on him, easy lob over to Sims. And then the last one was like in the fourth quarter, like he had two guys trailing him on like a little like pick and roll. And then he kind of crossed it back towards the middle and, and took an extra step inside the paint. And all of a sudden there were three guys around him and then he just shuffled it back to Grimes. It was the one shot that Grimes made all night because it was wide open. And he could actually like really set his feet and take his time on it. And it's just like good instincts for Emmanuel quickly. Like he does like, he, he's just, he's figuring out all these little subtleties of the game. Maybe Derek Rose is whispering in his ear on the sideline a little bit, but you can see the steps forward again, even, even when the efficiency wasn't there earlier in the season, you could see the steps forward, but now like, that the shot is falling too. It's just like such a nice, like complete package of like everything you'd want in, in, in a, in a point guard, especially as a backup point guard. 
Yeah, I and I don't have anything to add to that because I agree with all those points. I'll just make my final point uh, to shout out Taj Gibson. Got to do the phone celebration twice in this game. He was two or three from three. Uh, had a really nice 12 points off the bench in 22 minutes. And like this game, you know, is how Taj should be used. He should be the breaking case of emergency. But like he played 22 minutes. He didn't play any more minutes than he had to play. And that was like the veteran performance that was like the perfect one in this game to me. And uh, I, I do love watching him play and I love his chemistry with, with the, the younger guys. And I love how he's got this, like more of a camaraderie with them than with like his fellow, like multi-year vets in the NBA. It's just like kind of cute. He's like the, he's like the dad uh, or like the older brother to all these guys. <laughs> That's just like, like shepherding them through their early stages of their NBA career here. Uh, but shout out to Taj it was a good efficient outing, but uh, I think we can wrap up this edition of Locked on Knicks on that note. So thank you all for listening. Again, if you're listening and it's like afternoon today, then you can check out our second episode of the day, which is with Ricky O'Donnell, getting into some of the slightly more realistic prospects for the Knicks in this draft after we covered the top three yesterday. So uh, you can get all ready for the, the Sweet 16 games and know who to watch. Uh, we talk about Jaden Ivey, Ben Matherin, talk about Jalen Duran a little bit, um, AJ Griffin on Duke. A lot of good names come up. So check that show out if you haven't already. Uh, And until next time, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.